In the name of Christ crucified, amen. Who is God? If you were here for last week's Eucharist, then you'll remember that Dean Markham used a grapefruit and some pins and started putting people far apart from each other, all to show the vastness of the universe and to suggest the vastness of God who created it. No matter how big this universe is, God is bigger than all of that and created it all. Tonight, as we're looking at the question, who is God? We're going to move in the opposite direction from the vastness and the cosmic infinity of God down to something very small and very particular. Because Christians believe that if you want to know who God is, if you want to understand the very nature of God, you have to move not only outward to infinity, but zoom inward and downward to one particular life, one particular place in one particular moment of history. And that is the life of Jesus of Nazareth, son of a carpenter, born in Nowheresville in Palestine in the Roman Empire in the first century. So we zoom all the way to that point. And Christians say that this Jesus of Nazareth was not only the son of a carpenter and the son of Mary, but he was God's son in whom the fullness of God dwelt. Jesus was God in the flesh and made God known in ways that no one and nothing else has in all of history is what Christians believe. He did it in his life, but even more in his death. If you want to zoom in, to the particular moment of his life which reveals the very nature of God, you have to look at his death. You have to look at the symbol that we celebrate this day, the Holy Cross, on which our Savior died. And the reason why Christians celebrate this day, Holy Cross Day, and the reason why churches have crosses in them, and the reason why Christians wear crosses around their necks is because we believe that if you want to know who God is, you have to look at this symbol, this object. Now, at first glance, it seems strange to focus on this object. The cross is an instrument of brutal death. The Roman Empire reserved crucifixion for the lowliest of criminals. It was a way of publicly humiliating as well as torturing to death those who caused trouble for the powers that be. It was the death of outcasts. So the cross reminds us on one level that the power of the state and the power of the religious authorities of the day killed Jesus because he was a threat to their power and their values, because he said that ultimate power belongs to God and not to them. And he said that the ultimate power of the universe is that of love and not of force and violence. These things threatened the rulers of the day, and they killed him in the most agonizing and shameful way they could think of, on the cross. Now, while Jesus' death on the cross was a state-sponsored execution, it was not only that. 
it was also God's doing, as the Gospel of John and as Paul's letter to the Philippians that we just heard makes clear. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And in the letter to the Philippians, in the hymn that describes the journey of Jesus's descent into being human and then the cross and then back to God, it's clear that the Son of God chose this death. He chose to empty himself, to become human, and then to die on the cross. All of that was part of God's intention, even while it was also an event of human sin and evil. So why did God do that? Why did God choose not only to become human, but to die on a cross? There have been many answers to that question over the centuries, but the one that most persuades me is this that God chose death on a cross as the utmost gesture of solidarity with us. God wanted to show us, and God still wants to show us, that there's no depth of human pain or sin or suffering or evil where God has not already been and where God is not now. God is with us in the deepest depths with us when we feel most alone, when our suffering feels most unbearable, the cross shows us that that is exactly when God is most present to us. And so what that means is if we want to know who God is, we need to look at the cross. John's Gospel says the cross is where God is glorified. And to talk about God's glory is to talk about the fullness of God's presence, God's very nature being revealed. And it happens on the cross. God's glory shines forth on the cross because that's where we see that the very essence, the very nature of God is self-giving love and boundless compassion. God is love from all eternity, but it's on the cross that God shows just how far that love will go for us. Now, Paul who's writing to the Philippians, goes further than this. He says the cross doesn't reveal just only who God is, but it also reveals who we are supposed to be. So he's quoting from a hymn about Jesus's descent to humanity and death on a cross and being exalted, but he's quoting it for a reason because he wants to say to the Philippians, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So who Jesus was on the cross and what he did is the model for how we are to live. It means, among other things, that like Jesus did, we Christians are called to go to the depths, to places where people suffer, to places where people are outcast, to the victims of violence, to the places on the margins where people are killed outside the city gates. That's where Christians need to go and that's where they need to be because that's where Jesus is. But now it's also important to remember that the cross is ultimately the way of hope and the way of resurrection. And that's what the hymn from Philippians tells us, that once Jesus went to death on a cross to the lowest place of all, God exalted him and gave him the name above every name and made him Lord over that whole vast cosmos that we were talking about last week. God in Christ goes down with us to the depths so as to raise us to God's heights and to show us that no matter what suffering we experience or evil or sin, 
there's nothing that God does not redeem and resurrect into newness of life. And that's why, for Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, the last word is joy. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't worry about anything. And he says this, Paul says this, even when he's in prison. He's in prison when he's writing this letter. And even though he knows that his beloved Philippians face suffering and persecution on account of their faith, and even though he misses them terribly and he doesn't know if he's ever going to see them again, but still he says rejoice in the Lord always. And he is joyful despite the suffering and in the middle of it because he knows what the cross tells him. Paul says, I know nothing except Christ and him crucified. So he is our authority on what it means to live according to the way of the cross. And what he says is, God makes good on it all. God is with us in it all. And he said, not in the letter to the Philippians, but in the letter to the Romans, words about this that we love so much that we quote them and read them at funerals at times when we feel the farthest from God. It's these words of Paul that can remind us that God's victory is already won because he says in those beloved words, if God is for us, who can be against us? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.